0: Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Well, if it's your first time to City on a Hill, it's your first time back in a while, let me say welcome. My name is Tom Richter, and uh, I am a guest speaker here. I uh, pastor a church in Jamaica, Queens. It's funny, is it safe in Jerusalem? Cross Queens Boulevard. I mean, is it dangerous everywhere? But the... the, uh, uh, invitation to be here is something that I'm delighted about and uh, have been sort of kind of picking my way through a series that I've been calling getting your ducks in a row and started this series at the beginning of the year and I thought maybe I'll preach a sermon or two about getting some financial fitness and whatever but then the more I began putting it together I thought well here are some areas of our life where we'd like to improve you could probably have picked any I picked money time our health our bodies and our minds and so today Uh, uh, I'll be talking about our health, our bodies, and being a good steward of our bodies. And next week, God willing, our minds. If you missed any in the series and something you hear today, you think, I might like to hear that. Just go to City on a Hill's website and uh, you can get those sermons there and uh, catch up on any of the other parts in the series. Pastor James nailed it. We are stewards. He said it. We're stewards. We have been given, for example, money. We have been given 24 hours in a day. So the question is not, how do I get more money? How do I get more time? But rather, what am I doing with the money I've been giving? What am I doing with the time? I can't increase my time. So what do I do with the time that I have been given? And the same thing is true of our bodies. So are we being good stewards of our bodies? It's tough to preach on bodies. <laughs> really, you know why? It's a funny thing. If you struggle with a sin like selfishness, right? If you're not being a good steward of your life in the area of selfishness, it's like, on the one hand, nobody could ever know about it. And on the other hand, people could sort of celebrate it. You know what I mean? It's almost a virtue. Well, you don't let anybody push you around, you know? You make your, you make your way in this world. You're doing good, Right? But if you're a preacher and you, you struggle, or you're here today and you struggle with body image or you struggle with your health, it's like you, it's, it's right there, you see? And so it's, it can be a cause of great and abiding shame for people. For others, it's something to compare about. And so, what I'm not going to do today, what I'm not going to do today, first of all, this is a judgment free zone, right? It's a church, you know, come on. But even if it weren't, what I'm not going to do today, what you don't need is a sermon on health tips from Pastor Tom. I mean, you need health tips from Pastor James, but you don't need it. But no, the point of point of that sentence was not that they're from me. The point is you don't need health tips. Everybody in here knows what we're supposed to do to be healthy. Yeah. Everybody in here knows what we're supposed to be to do. Like a, a little less on the Doritos, a little more on the exercise, more sleep. We got it. That part's over. All right. We're done with that. We all know that. We need to eat right. We need to exercise. What I want to do is is get a biblical perspective on the whole concept of a body. Okay? So I don't want to necessarily change our little health tips. What I want to do is change our mind frame. Change the way we even look at bodies. Now, there are a lot of different ways you can relate to your body. I'll give you three. We can. You can. For example, reject your body. right? Now, that is one approach you can take to your body. And I don't know that we do this explicitly. We don't wake up in the morning. I reject you, body, right? Although some days it does maybe feel that way, that our bodies have somehow rejected us, you know? But, uh, but that's not probably explicit, but you know what we do? We do it subconsciously in a couple ways. For example, uh, when we, um, when we, uh, 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 make criticism of our own body, even when we're joking and complaining about our own body, when that becomes, if you're not careful, that's the thing about sarcasm and cynicism and all that stuff. At first you say it jokingly, but later you realize it, you can't control it. It happens, right? I'll give you a simple example. I started saying because it was hilarious. I started saying ironically. Instead of saying something was crazy, it was so funny to me. I would say, that's cray-cray, right? And I said it once, and it was hilarious. And everybody knew I was saying it ironically. Now the problem is, I really say it. And it's not even ironic. I'll be like, that's cray-cray. And everybody's like, did you really just say what a 13-year-old girl would not even say anymore? Like, what are you doing, right? Uh, you can't turn that stuff off. And that's the thing with our bodies. When you get in criticism mode, it's hard to turn that off. Because I don't think our spirits know what is sarcasm and what's not. They just hear these words going out there like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm too skinny, huh? too fat, too tall, too short. You see? It's that continual complaint and criticism. Oh, my back every morning. Ah, ew, Right? Um, And I'm not saying the pain is not real, but that constant complaint and criticism is a kind of form of rejecting our bodies. Another way to reject our bodies is uh, when we compare ourselves to others. For a lot of people, our bodies, the ultimate goal of our bodies are simply to be compared to other bodies, right? Right. Well, you got to look like, him. you know, uh, guys have to have the perfect physique or women. You have to have the perfect dress size. And we all know the perfect dress size is I'm not even touching that with a 10 foot pole. I, don't, I just wanted to see what y'all. Oh, he's going to give us the number. Right. <laughs> right. I No. Uh, some of us have help in this. We reject our bodies because over and over and over other people have told us they are worthy of reject. Right. So if you're a person in here who's gone through abuse neglect, you know, you're a person in here who looks around at a world that just because of the way you look has rejected you, then you can see why you begin to take that on. You begin to reject because of the lies you've heard. Some people even biblically defend a bad theology that helps us reject our bodies, and it goes something like this. Well, look, God is interested in the supernatural, not the natural, you know what I'm saying? God is interested in our spirits, so I can let this go, right? I was hanging out in Kentucky where I heard a youth pastor say as we were going through the the buffet line, he's like, I can't wait to get that glorified body in heaven. That's why I'm having seconds here, you know. Now, you can't fault the guy for enjoying life. He got, that, he got that part, that part of the Christian life, that joy and sense of feasting that we have every resurrection Sunday where it's like, come on, I know it's church, but in every day you celebrate the resurrection, every Sunday, it's got to be a little bit of party, you know, it's church, but you, come on, got to be some mirth, he got that right. But he, what he got wrong was the theology that when we die, somehow when we go to heaven, the whole point of bodies that we just sort of float off as spirit beings to play a, a, a harp, Mind you, we play harps as spirits. Now, how do you even do that? Disembodied harp players don't have fingers. So what are they doing? Just playing it with their spirit mind? Right? The point is, we're not floating off to be spirits. We can't fit on a... Why? Because we're going to be bodies. That's why in new heaven, new earth... We will need bodies because there's going to be rivers to explore. There's going to be mountains to climb. James, you may leave on a hike in the new heaven, new earth, where you tell Pastor Linda, because we're going to know each other in heaven, BT dubs, you're going to tell her, right? It's not that cray cray. You're going to tell her, hey, I'm going to go on a hike. I'll be back in a million years. And why not? Why not? But you're going to need a body for that hike. You see, you're going to need a glorified body. And so we don't reject our bodies for any theological reason. A lot of times it's just the natural reason we uh, uh, get that negative thinking. On the other end of the spectrum. So that's one way to relate to your body. Out and out rejection. That's bad. That's wrong. The other end of the spectrum is equally bad. And that would be to perfect your body. Right? Now look, I don't know who in here really struggles with this. You know? (laughs) Right? oh, this is clearly me, <laughs> You know, you're sitting here like, all ah, right? But let's just say that, uh, that you struggle with perfecting your body. This would be what? This would be when you turn your body into an idol and you make your body, which is, watch this, your body is actually a means to something else. Did you know that? Your body is not an end. And I'll go ahead and give away the whole point of the sermon now. You generally don't want to do this, but it's a means to an end. And the end, your body is to be used to worship God. It's an instrument to worship God. It's not an end unto itself. And people who want to perfect their body, the way they relate to their body is what they're trying to—they're they're making their body an idol, you see, and they make it an end unto itself, an, an end unto itself. These are people who are constantly striving to be a ten. Uh, these are bodybuilders, models. They, they, to me, it sort of misses the point, like. I shared in my sermon on tithing in this series that tithing is a means to an end. It's it's meant to get me to generosity. If I geek out on tithing and, and make that the whole point, then I need tithing. But it's like I'll lose the greater picture of what God's trying to work in my life. Just like I shared this, I was flying to Atlanta and connecting on to another city with a bunch of people, and I looked around. And I'm like, all oh, these dudes are just ripped beyond belief. I found out there was a bodybuilders like show or convention or contest going on. Right? Everybody's like, you're going to this? I was like, obvi. Oh, but, you know, I'm landing here. But this is what I realized. Yeah, okay, you guys are really strong. But you've somehow, in my opinion, missed the point. Because they look like tree trunks getting on the plane, you know. And they were huge and they couldn't even... Their bodies couldn't do what they were supposed to do. Your body's supposed to roll around with your kids when you're a grandpa, when you're 80 years old. You're supposed to have enough health and vitality to do all the fun things you're supposed to do. But these guys had turned the body into just an idol to make it. And so here they... could. These guys are perfectly strong, but they couldn't even put their carry-ons in because their bodies wouldn't work. Their flactoids got in the way of the, I'm just making that up. You know what I mean? And so they've got the strongest guys in the world, but Big Tom's helping them put the carry-on in. I got you, Schwarzenegger. I'm your dog, right? They missed the point. So rejection of body, wrong. Other end of the spectrum to perfect the body, wrong. Let's be fair. Most of us are at neither of those points. Though it is possible. That's why I just preached it. It is possible you could be there. Most of us, though, are neither there, neither there. But it's just as wrong. It's just as wrong. And that's the third thing. And that's we can just simply neglect our body. And the reason it's so easy to neglect our body is because your body is so good to you. I know sometimes it's easy to think, no, it's not. My body hates me, right? But no, it's not. Ponder. Your body does so much stuff for you. And it'll keep doing it without being thanked. Like, you can really destroy your body. And it'll be like, it's cool. That's cool, right? It doesn't get all drama and attitude. And see how you do without breathing. Lungs on strike, (laughs) right? So think about it right now. Your heart's been beating this whole sermon, this whole worship service. Your heart's just been beating. You haven't thanked it. And here's the most amazing thing. Your heart's been beating involuntarily. What I mean is, you, you have not had to stop and think, heart, beat, good. Beat, beat beep, 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 you know, you don't have to do that, right? Not one person in here has had to say, lungs, breathe air. Good. I'll be back with you in just a minute. And air, right? Right? Your lungs are sitting there just doing that for you. And that's so cool because your lungs are basically telling you, brain, you got a lot to deal with right now. You got the sermon and the, and you're not even thinking about that. You think about a lot of other things, right? So we need you to focus on that you know what? Let's make a deal. We'll just keep breathing in and out until one day we stop. But until that day, we will keep breathing in and out, hearts the same way. We we got you. So you can focus on all these other cool things. Isn't that remarkable? Really? Isn't that remarkable? Your body was not stamped out at a factory. Your body was crafted. Psalm so on 139 says this amazing verse where I was reading it one time. And you know how sometimes you read the Bible and you just read it. Then other times you're reading and you're really like trying to actually learn what it says and get it in to your heart, which is, of course, how we're supposed to read it all the time. I don't know why some days it is like that and some days it's not. But at any rate, I'm reading it, and I get to Psalm 139, and it's like, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, you you form me together in my mother's womb and all that stuff. And I'm reading, I'm reading, and he says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. And about dropped the Bible. Like, before a sculptor makes that sculpture, so at least for a moment, it's conceived in his mind. And it exists in the mind of the artist. Even if briefly, before he makes the sculpture. Are you telling me? Are you, You're telling me, in other words, that right before, for just a moment, right? For just a moment, before it was even formed, God saw you, Pastor Joe, and thought, Huh, Joe Lecce. And then went to work. He saw his unformed body. Uh, Your body's a masterpiece. Turn to the person next to you and say, this body is a masterpiece. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. I'm I'm just kidding. Like I've been telling you, clearly. But here's the only time we notice that it's a masterpiece, and we neglect, our, we neglect this masterpiece of a body we've been given, because it's so easy to do. Your body just keeps going on. Even my Honda has a check engine light, and on this, nothing. And the only time I notice it is when I'm broken down on the side of the road. When I get sick, or when my body's broken and unable to do, that's when I notice it, Yet, yeah, Right? And yet my car has a check engine light. There's two two schools of thought on the check engine light based on what type of personality you have. Some of you, when you see the check engine light, you're like, pull over now. Call a tow truck. Get it inspected. There are others of you. You will solve the check engine light problem with a piece of black electrical tape. (laughs) And by taping over the light, you're like, problem solved, right? Right? Why? Because you can, you can still go. What do you care if the check engine light's on? You can still go. And a lot of times that's how we operate with our bodies. Because they'll still go, even if we're mistreating them, we think, well, then it's, it's perfectly fine to continue to mistreat them, and we neglect them. But the, it's not okay to reject our bodies. The, the Bible doesn't teach perfection of bodies, nor does it teach the neglect of bodies, but, and why not, let's make them rhyme, you can, and here it is, the correct view, respect, a healthy respect for your bodies. Now, here is the massive fork in the road. So far, if you're the kind of person who thinks like this, so far you may be sitting there thinking, this massive fork in the road, so far you could be thinking, so far Tom has not preached anything that would not be, this could be preached by anyone, whether you're a Christian, you could be an atheist, so far I've not said anything that a scientist wouldn't say, like so far, like Tom and Dr. Oz, we could have said all this stuff together, right? Don't neglect it, don't perfect it, don't reject it, just respect it, right? So whether you are, whether you are atheist or whether you are, uh, 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 whether you're like Francis Collins, who is a strong Christian, he's the director of the National Institute of Health, or whether you were like Bill Nye, the science guy, who is, if you don't know who that is, he's a very strong atheist, a very smart scientist. He is the guy who taught bowtie. He taught many of us as children to love science. And then later as adults told us that, by the way, we're just sort of Evolutionary accidents and has become the sort of raging atheist to talk about how Christianity is destroying everything. And I'm like Bill Nye, why? Like, because he was so cool. And and he's still a good scientist. He's just so wrong. But 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 anyway, uh, uh, whether whoever you are, or whether you're the, you could be the acting. Who's the who's the current acting Surgeon General of the United States? Right, that guy. You could be him. (laughs) And you know, I mean, that's an important job that no one knows. I looked it up, if you're curious. It's Boris Lushniak. Come to church, learn a fact. Uh, Okay, okay, so you can be all these people. We all agree. Oprah, Dr. Oz, Tom, and Boris Lushniak all agree on this part. Now's this massive fork in the road where we turn this from an inspirational talk about health to a sermon. And the fork in the road is why. It's the motivation. Now let's press old Bill Nye the science guy. I wish I were so famous I could text him this question. But he doesn't know me. I'm like the Boris Lushniak of preachers. But if I could. Because he debated Ken Ham in February. Anybody see this? This creationist Ken Ham. I mean, yeah, yeah. But, but, but I'm not famous. But if I could, this is what I want to ask him. Why? Bill Nye, the science guy. Why? Why? You told me, respect. he's great. I've watched this stuff on nutrition. I watched it as a kid, and I went back and YouTubed it later. It's just as funny and good. He tells us, respect our bodies and put in good nutrition. But why? Like, why? What is the value in it? And I think he would say, and I've asked a lot of people, am I being unfair to Bill Nye? And a lot of people have told me, no, I think he would say that too. I think he would say the first reason is to prolong life. Okay? I think that's what he would say. We respect it to prolong life. But doesn't that, doesn't that make you, aren't you, so, don't you want to say, okay, then, why prolong life? And the second reason he might say, prolong life, these are the only two I can think of. Prolong life and also to improve the quality of your life, right? So these are why you should live a healthy life. To prolong your life and improve the, the overall quality of your life. You know, if you're healthy, you'll live not only a longer life, but a happier life. Let me tell you something, those two things fall flat for me. And I think for Bill Nye too, but those two things fall flat. Here's what I mean. We talked about in the Sermon on Time, you can go back and look at it, before the big rocks first, the one before that, that if a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, or even like a watch in the night, then the average lifespan is 12 minutes and 36 seconds. We talked about that. What Bill Nye is, is, is effectively saying is, get really, really healthy, so you can go from 12 minutes and 36 seconds to like 14 minutes. To me, it's like, what, so we go from 70 years to 80? Or if you're 80 to 90, right? I mean, that's really the whole point of everything. Or what if he said, oh, but to improve the quality of life. Well, even that. So live, laugh, love. I've done that. I got the t-shirt. I, that's, th- 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 that falls flat. And honestly, the fact that there's this big thing called death at the end, for a lot of people, sort of negates all the joy in the middle. Let me illustrate. Saying it's important to prolong life because there's nothing else after this, and we should really enjoy this life because there's nothing else after this, isn't that sort of like telling an inmate on death row, really enjoy your last meal before execution? Doesn't it do something to the enjoyment of that meal? That illustration's a little harsh. So let me... Let me back off a little and pick a less, I realize now, in future sermons, I will swap that illustration for the one I'm about to give. When Jackie and I were dating, see, fun, it's the same point, but (laughs) Jackie and I were dating, uh, we were long distance, okay? We didn't live in the same town. We were in a long distance relationship, an LDR, and... Uh, When you are together, if anybody's ever been in a long-distance relationship, when you are in the same town, it is glorious because you miss each other so much. And then when you're in the same town, it's like, yay, we're together and everything. Jackie and I used to laugh about this all the time. There was this phenomenon where a lot of times because of our work schedules and stuff, she would get on a flight from Charlotte and she would land. And on Friday afternoon, our weekend of awesome bliss would begin and uh, she would leave sometimes like Sunday night uh, to make it back in time for her teaching job on Monday morning. And so many times, it'd be Friday, and it'd be like, we just saw each other and embrace at the airport. And yeah, we'd go off to dinner and all this. And there'd be this melancholy sadness. And I'm like, what's up? We just got here. This is the most enjoyable thing in world. And she's like, but part of me can't enjoy it. Why? She was because no matter how enjoyable it gets, in fact, the enjoyment only heightens the sadness that knowing I'll have to leave on Sunday. You see, even the enjoyment, the more enjoyable it was, the more it was ruined by this knowledge in the back of their head. Tick, 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 because it's going to be over, right? That's the same point as the death row thing. I don't know why some people, you know, would rather, but it's the same illustration. So I would say, Bill Nye, I get what you're saying. Increase our life. And he even said, I heard him say with his own lips. Now, a lot of people can't handle this emotionally, that after we die, there really is nothing. And a lot of people can't handle it. And I wanted to throw the remote through the TV. I was like, the reason we can't handle it is we weren't built to handle it. Because we can sniff out what's a lie. We're not supposed to be able to handle that that's okay. When everything in you rages against it, I don't know, maybe, just maybe, we're not wrong. But you have got this wrong, you see. Christians don't say, well, no, well let me say this. I am totally for long life and health for enjoyment of life. Like, me and Bill Nye are on the same team on that. I would just add to that, those aren't enough. I'm totally for both those things, but it's not enough. And the reason we want to honor our bodies because of what the Bible says is found in Scripture. And I want to take a look and just close out our time here with looking. Won't, I won't go through, I won't belabor every single point, but just 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, open it there. If not, I will uh, you know can read it, or it's up here on the screen for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. Uh, the uh, little back, l- little tiniest bit of background. I was looking for a text to help me explain the Bible's theology on bodies. Here's the thing. Paul wrote a letter to this crazy church at Corinth. James and I did a series a couple years ago when God came to Sin City all about Corinth. We won't repreach the series now. But you need to know that Corinth was this wild place. And, uh, and so Paul needs to address a very specific issue. And the issue they were asking is... <clears throat> all right, there's all these new Christians and all they've known in terms of religion is you go to the temple of the Greek gods and goddesses and they would do two things. One, they would eat in that temple or get carry out, but the point is get meat that had been sacrificed to idols, okay? So one big question they had is, is it right or wrong for a Christian who believes there's only one true and living God and his uh, son Jesus Christ and the spirit that indwells us, the triune God, is it right or wrong for us to deal with this uh, I don't meet. and he's going to address that in in chapter eight the other question which you this would blow your mind if you thought this was a real question it's crazy to us it wasn't crazy to them the other question was is it right or wrong for us the other way they would worship they would go into the temple and they would have sexual relations with a temple prostitute so they would say right or wrong for us to go and sleep with a temple prostitute as a way of it's just sort of culturally what everybody does right or wrong now you and I hear that and we're like there's no way that's even a question like how could a Christian even ask such a nonsense question and so Paul has to address that specific question, but here 's why it 's our text he doesn 't just address that question; he does what a lot of preachers do. Did you know that? If you ask any preacher a simple question, they will give you a thirty minute answer that meanders its way eventually to that answer, but it covers all this other ground as well, and that 's what Paul does we We are not without precedent in the way we answer questions. you know hey, what time's that barbecue tomorrow? God invented food you know' you're like what just, just tell me what time but That's what Paul's doing, right? He's saying, I got to address this thing about y'all going and uh, having these relations with temple prostitutes. But to do that, let me address it by giving you some some theology. And he starts in verse 12. He says, because they had these slogans. Sorry, one more bit of background. They had these slogans. They were like, look, man, here's one. Here's a Corinthian slogan. Look, look, look. Food for the body and the body for food. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food. That That was literally their slogan. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food. What's their point? You got these appetites, stomach-wise, and there's food out there. Hello? Appetite, food, enjoy. And so if you have sexual appetites, right, give them free reign and expression. Food for the stomach, stomach for food, right? They had another one. They're like, the other thing is they totally misunderstood Paul's teaching on the gospel of grace. And they're like, grace means you can do whatever you want anyway. So there's, Jesus Christ fulfilled the law, so everything is legal for me. Everything's permissible. So they had these sayings. Everything's permissible for me food for the stomach and the stomach for food So paul takes these sayings and gives these awesome Like rejoinders. So he quotes them back. He says everything is permissible for me. Okay. Yeah Everything is permissible for me Fine, that is true. If you are a christian who is seeking to follow jesus. Yes In in, in a sense, I see what you're saying paul We are under the new covenant and so if you're asking me legally right or wrong I guess my answer is fine. Everything is permissible for me But what paul says is but not everything is beneficial He's like, don't you think you guys are asking the wrong question? Everything's lawful for me? You don't do anything because it's lawful or not. You do things that are beneficial. Let me ask you something. Especially young people, when you go to college, or if you're in college right now, let me ask you college people. You're living in a dorm. Is there a law in this country that says you cannot eat for one entire semester? I mean, from September to Christmas break, from January until commencement, can you, is there a law that says you are forbidden, legally forbidden, to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner a bag of Cheetos and a two-liter of Coca-Cola Classic? Every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Is there any law in this country that forbids a college student in America from doing that? Is there a state, city, or local ordinance that prevents that? No, there's not. God bless the USA, USA, USA. If you're not eating Cheetos, the terrorists have won. Let you... Now look, just because that's legal, there is not a single person in here that would say that's a good idea, right? Right. Of course it's legal, you'd say, Pastor Tom. But at the end of the semester, the question you want to ask is, is it beneficial? And you, when your liver explodes, you will discover that that diet is not beneficial. Everybody in here gets that, right? And what that's all Paul's saying. He says, everything is beneficial. But our goal is not to give you a new law as pastors. Hey, we did so great with the original Ten Commandments. Let's give you a new covenant Ten Commandments because we really knocked those out of the park. Here. Obviously, the way to control human morality is to give you more laws, right? Paul doesn't do that. He says, let's learn how to live by the Spirit. And the question we need to begin asking as we grow in grace is not, what can I get away with? It's what's going to profit my relationship with Christ. That's all. I never want to hear from my kid. So, Dad, what, uh, as I'm planning my life, I want to ask you something. What, uh, what's the absolute l- lowest standard you, you have for me? Is it, like, is it like, like stay out of jail? Or, or or don't go to jail multiple times? If so, what's, what, what's kind of that number? Because um, that's what I'm shooting for. I, I'd be like, Carson, I don't want to hear, like, what's the lowest standard? I want to hear, what is beneficial? What's, what, what, am I, what am I going for? And he, he hammers it away at the same way in, in verse 12. He says, everything's permissible for me. Ah, but some things have this addictive mastering quality. And he says, I will not be mastered by anything. Uh, I I really, I know it is possible, okay? I know it is possible to look back at the church at Corinth and go, look, how in the world could they, how in the world could they even think that they could take their body and unite them with a temple prostitute? Like, how did they even get to that point? That is so crazy. How could they even do that? That That's so foreign. Here's the thing, here's the thing. I'll tell you how they got there. The way they got there was, People began getting this theology that well, what God really cares about is your spirit. And this, this is this is just your body. Hmm? It's just your body. No big deal. And that's insane, right? When people think God just cares about spiritual stuff, but this is just my body. I thought that was so crazy. I was actually having this rant with the youth guy at my church. He's the, the youth pastor. And he's got his like, finger on the pulse of youth culture. And he knows what they're going through. Because like I think, oh, their struggles or whatever. He's like, scratch the surface. Like, you have no idea what they're up against right now. And so I was telling him this whole point about, like, can you believe that? They thought that, you know, all they care about is the spirit and the body doesn't matter. And he was like, dude, you know who that sounds like. I was like, what? And he was like, what, you hadn't heard this song? And he shows me the lyrics of this song. And I was like, what happened? Did she find out I was going to preach this sermon and write this song to illustrate my exact point? Like, really, is that what she does? Let me read to you. Remember, a crazy world where they think all that matters is your spirit. You do whatever you want with your body. He says, listen, these are the lyrics <clears throat> from a song by one Lady Gaga. <laughs> the song is called, I can't make this up. The song is called, Do What You Want With My Body. And here are the lyrics. You can't have my heart and you won't use my mind, but do what you want with my body. Do what you want with my body. Did that break your heart? She's saying, well, the most important part of me is my spirit and everything. But my body, yeah, it's just, you know. You, you can't stop my voice. You don't own my life, but do what you want with my body. And then listen to the bridge. Sometimes I'm scared, I suppose, if you would ever leave me. I would fall apart if you break my heart. So just take my body and don't stop the party. It would break my heart, see, if I did all the spiritual stuff got ever hurt. But my body's just, you know, whatevs. And the Bible is saying no. And you know it's funny? The Christian church gets picked on for being so puritanical about the body. You tell me has the, who has the right theology of the of the body? It's not Lady Gaga. It's the Apostle Paul. He's saying your body's precious. She's saying your body's worthless. Uh. Anyway, the, he, I'm sorry. I got off on that. Maybe it's just not meant to go on. To the, continue, to supposed to rant on that for a little. Well, whatever. The next verse says, food for the stomach and the stomach for food. Paul goes after that one. Right? Oh, you know, we have these appetites. We should just, we should just fill them. And he says, no, 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 no. Food, yes, food for the stomach and the stomach for food. But then he follows it by saying, but God will destroy them both. He's saying, no, you don't give free reign to every appetite you have. That's nonsense. What you can do is you curb your appetites based on a healthy reverence for the Lord God food for the stomach, the stomach for food, but God is who we're worried about. Not just fulfilling all our appetites. And then he says this, he hits him with this line for the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but, and this would have been a shock to a lot of people. The body is not meant for sexual morality. Here I'm in verse 13. The body's not meant for sexual morality, but for what Bill Nye? What for what? To be, you know, healthy. And, mm. The body was not meant for sexual morality but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. I told you it's a means to an end. We have these bodies to worship God, to glorify God. Your body has a purpose, your body has a meaning, and your body has great worth because through your body you can glorify God. And then he doesn't stop there. He says, and the Lord is for the body. The Lord is for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. And, 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 by, and by his power, he'll raise us also. L- listen, think about it this way. If God were against bodies, if bodies were just gross and sinful, right? If God were against them, then, then why would he raise Jesus from the dead with a, here we go, physical body? If bodies were so bad and awful, he would have raised Him as like a spirit and just taken Him off in heaven. And here's something that will blow your mind. Where do we see in Scripture, right? He was raised as a body. He ascended with a physical body. And we know he's going to come back. He's got to come back in a glorified body, right? How else could you ride a white horse and do all that, you know, all that stuff? He's going to, with the sword and all, right? So he's got a body. Where in Scripture do we see? So he's left with a body. He's coming back with a body. Where in Scripture do we ever see him saying, and now for a brief period, I will surrender my body and not have a body? What I'm saying is, Jesus Christ right now has a physical body right? But I thought heaven was the cloud and he's floating with the harp. No, your doctrine of heaven's all wrong. Don't make me and James re-preach that whole heaven series, like, because we'll do it, right? Right? He right now has a physical body. That's what God thinks of bodies, right? So the Lord is for the body. And uh, there are a lot, as I said, okay, good, good, good. So let's finish this up. The body is not meant for sexual morality, but for the Lord. And by his power, God raised him. He talks about Look, you can't go and unite with a prostitute because you're united with Christ already. And then he says this, whoever's, all right, whoever's united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Right here. Here's the one. Before the Lord. And what he means by that, before the Lord, three things. You can respect your body because one, God made it. Hmm? That's why we respect our body. Because did not, we are not evolutionary accidents. God made us. Then he goes on, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. Whoever sins sexually sins against his own body. Don't even get in sin's parking lot when it comes to this stuff. Don't even get close. Run from it. Flee from it. Why? I love this. Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? I I have seen this verse used in all kinds of crazy ways. Many of them not biblical. Okay? Just crazy ways I've seen this used. But in the context of what he's talking about, he's saying the reason you respect your body is, number one, God made it. Number two, the Holy Spirit lives in it. You are the—look, this is a beautiful church building, okay? Beautiful. If there were a big scuff mark right up here, right? So I was preaching one day, and I got wild, and I flung my Bible across, and whatever, and it scuffed this, right? Would the power of God still be present in this place? Absolutely. Because, look, this isn't God, right? This is a building, but everybody in here would agree, we're going to get that cleaned off before next Sunday. Why? Why? It, why? I mean, it's, God is still here and still powerful. Why clean off that scuff mark? Because everybody in here would go and say, well, yeah, God's still here, but I don't know, Tom. It's like, this is sacred space, you know? This is, this is it, it, I mean, we, we love it, and we've, we've been in here so long, and I don't know. We have an affinity toward it, and it's sacred space. That's what the scripture's saying. Your body it's sacred space. Your body's sacred space. And look, you've been in it so long. He goes on to say, uh, so God made it. Holy Spirit lives in it. And last thing, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Honor God with your body. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. That's why. Because Jesus paid for it. God made it. The Holy Spirit lives in it. Jesus paid for it. I just want to Conclude with that uh, that thought right there. Listen, and th- this is not just for me. This is for you. This is for Lady Gaga. This is for everybody. L- listen, if your body is your own, Christian, do whatever you want. Hmm? Ownership matters. But if you're if you've been bought with a price, and your body belongs to the Lord, that's why we honor God with our bodies. You may remember in my uh, First Corinthians series. You may not, but you may remember that uh, when I was preaching on, uh, I, I came to this passage. I um, I got to the part and I tried to make the point that ownership really matters. And uh, uh, I, uh, I asked for a volunteer for someone with a pencil. And a uh, uh, kind Bob O'Brien held up. I have a pencil, right? And I said, thank you, Bob. You remember this? And I took his pencil and I tried to illustrate that ownership really matters. And I was talking about the point of how ownership matters. And while I was talking about it, I began to break Bob's pencil in half. And then I began to break it into fourth. Then I stomped on it. If I had known there was fire available to me... I would have lit it on fire, right? And everybody in the church, you remember this? You guys were like, Oh, Pastor Tom's kinda harsh, right? Like that's a mean thing to do. Bob's such a nice guy. And Pastor Tom's just like, Man, what did Bob do to Tom? Like that, you know, like that's a really harsh thing to do, the pencil. And everybody was like, Man, that's really harsh. And then and then I hit you with this bombshell. Just before the sermon, I gave Bob my pencil and said, Hey Bob, old, hey, old friend, you you're not you know, I'm, I'm going to ask for a volunteer. You'll play along, right? He was like, yeah, I got you, right? You remember we cooked up this game? You remember? Yeah, yeah. So I gave him the pencil. It was my pencil. Well, suddenly the whole church's like, oh, we're cool now, right? It's cool. Tom's not. Tom's. See, Tom is still a nice guy, right? Why? Because he, he can destroy his own pencil. Now, you tell me what the difference is. The poor pencil didn't really see much of a distinction. But the, the idea is um, I, the pencil was still destroyed. The pencil was still crushed, right? And yet everybody in here knows if it's your pencil, do whatever you want. But you've got to take care of Bob's. That's all Paul's saying. If it's your body, whatever. But you're not your own, are you? You've been bought with a price. God made you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And Jesus Christ, with his own body, bought ours. Let's pray. Father, we uh, ask for your grace so that this week we can be better stewards of our bodies. And I know, oh Father, our bodies can be sources of great shame but they don't have to be they were they were put on this earth so that we could glorify you and take dominion of this earth and really make something of the culture so father forgive us where for we have presented the members of our bodies as unto unrighteousness and instead oh God we pray for the grace this week whether it be new choices in Diet and exercise, whether it be new choices in the area of morality versus immorality and the way we give expression to the appetites of our body or any point in between, I pray, oh God, you know what each heart needs, that you would grant us the grace to apply that simple truth that you made us, the Holy Spirit lives in us, and Jesus Christ, you paid for us all week long. In Jesus' matchless name, amen. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.